Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Megan. And I'm Jackie. And today we are going to be hearing Jackie's testimony, her faith journey, whatever you call it. Um, This will be a really good episode because we actually have wine this time. Usually we drink (laughs) wine while we record (laughs) or like some sort of vodka drink, but the last couple times we haven't. And so we're very happy to be back on track we're back, back on to our track. roots back to our roots <laughs> as yes. a catholic it was a sin that i was not drinking alcohol and recording right like that's just we have to it, we have to yeah well megan's not catholic but anyway <laughs> true <laughs> but i still drink so anyways <laughs> all right so jackie um why don't you just start us out at the very beginning yeah so i think these are going to be cool episodes um for our listeners because you'll get to know us each a little more so I'll start out by telling I like to call it my reversion story because I was born and raised Catholic I was a what we call a cradle Catholic and um, I was you know baptized a month after I was born little baby so I've been in the church since forever <laughs> um, and I remember about my faith, like just praying as a little girl and receiving all the sacraments that you receive in the Catholic Church and my first communion, which is where you get to receive the Eucharist for the first time, which is the most important sacrament in the Catholic Church if you're not Catholic. Um, If you didn't know that, that's what I meant. (laughs) Um, I just remember being really excited and wearing my little white dress and it looks like a little mini wedding dress and it's kind of a big deal for a little Catholic girl, but that's really all I remember about my faith. Um, when I was younger, when I was in sixth grade, which is really funny, I remember very specifically as a part of like the school that I was at, I was at this new Catholic school and we went to mass almost every single day. Like they would make all of the grades go, which is really funny because we're just little sixth graders. Um, But I would go to mass almost every day and I felt super close to God. And I remember praying to him very sincerely. So I feel like I learned at a very young age to just be really real with God and just pray to him and like I didn't have to put on a show for him I didn't have to pretend or like pray all these pious prayers I could just be really real with him and tell him about my worries and such so I just look back and I look at what like an innocent and beautiful relationship I had with God as just a little 12 year old which is really cute and how close I felt to God and how close he really was to me then Um, Of course, as I got older and I got into like seventh and eighth grade and middle school, things just get different. You're no longer as innocent. (laughs) I think that's so funny, too, because I I feel like me and a lot of people can relate to that. If you've grown up in the church or even just in a community where faith was really important, um, just in kind of that context and culture, you know, you have these memories of like being that very like having that childlike faith that like Jesus talks about and how much sometimes you kind of yearn for that. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. I just really trusted Jesus and like prayed and never was affected. Um, But yeah, I feel like most people's stories around like middle school, high school, a shift happens, a change Mm -hmm. happens. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. So of course I feel like those hormones start setting in. You start just caring a lot more about how you look and your appearance and all those insecurities set in. You start to more, you know, have more crushes on boys and it's people start dating. It's just like a weird time. It's so complicated. I know things get so complicated, 
But I actually went through something really serious that I think started to rattle my faith when I was 13. Um, And I mentioned this in my mental health episode as well. But my cousin committed suicide when I was just 13. And that ripped my family apart. And during the same time, I was going through um, really severe bullying by someone I thought was my best friend. So as a little 13-year-old, that's really... It's just awful. And my little brain mm-hmm. just did not know how to handle all of that. I don't know if I, how well I would handle that now as a 24-year-old. But as a little 13-year-old, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And I felt very distant and abandoned by God. I nev- no longer felt like he was close to me. And I just went through a lot of struggles in my family and with my mental health from then on. And I would say from like my eighth grade year and then my freshman year of high school I just was going through dealing with depression for the first time and feeling very distant from God and going to mass every Sunday still because my family was Catholic but we never really prayed together so it wasn't really a big part of my faith besides religion class at Catholic school and such um but I think the very one of the very first really important experiences in my faith journey was the summer after my freshman year of high school I attended a Steubenville Youth Conference because I am from Steubenville, so I went actually at Franciscan University of Steubenville, which if you're a Catholic and you're listening, you know exactly where I'm talking about, and you might have been to a Steubenville Youth Conference, (laughs) but I had a super powerful experience with the Eucharist, and I just remember I felt before like my heart was just very hardened toward God with everything that had happened to me. And there was this moment where the priest is processing around the room, carrying the Eucharist in the monstrance. And he stopped in front of like my group of where we were sitting. And I just felt the Holy Spirit rush in like physically. And I could feel like I felt like the walls around my heart that were so hardened just kind of melt away. And I just started sobbing and I felt my heart just totally soften. And in that moment, I knew God was real. I knew the Eucharist was truly Jesus in the flesh, quotes in the flesh. And I knew that Jesus loved me, which are truths that I just hadn't really experienced before. And I knew all of those things for sure. And that was a huge shift in my spiritual life at that time. After that, I took my faith way more seriously and attended youth group every week. I just wanted to talk about God and my faith more. But I was expecting God to keep giving me those powerful experiences in adoration and on retreats from then on. And I was feeling as if God wasn't listening to me if I didn't experience that from then on, which I didn't feel that just super emotional and physical and visceral experience after that. Mm-hmm. And there was just a big emphasis in my community and like at these conferences on the spiritual gifts and being like slain in the spirit if you know what that means where you like rest in the holy spirit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just really experiencing god very emotionally and so when i didn't experience that after that i really struggled and thought oh god is not with me anymore or i don't understand why he's not speaking to me and it took me a long time to realize further in my faith journey that god isn't in those big moments he's He's in the silence, he's in the quiet, mundane moments of the day, and even if he's not showing himself to you in those big, crazy, powerful ways, it doesn't mean he's not with you. And so that was a super important thing that I learned along my faith journey, but that took me a while to really understand. Mm. Um, And it just reminds me of that verse in um, 1 Kings where God 
tells Elijah to go outside and stand on the mountain. And, you know, a strong and heavy wind, it says, was rendering the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a tiny whispering sound. And when he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I just reflect on that passage all the time, even now in my life, that God's not going to always be in those big, crazy moments. You know, he's in, he's in the silence. Um, and that's been a big part of my faith journey that I, I'll probably touch on later mm-hmm. as well. But Yeah, that's really such a good reminder um, for anyone who has gone on, like, those retreats or I think of all those kids that go to like you know Bible camp or like things like that Mm -hmm. and it can be really scary coming down off that high because you feel like God is leaving you or you feel like suddenly you did something and he's not as close Um, and so that's such a good thing to remember that even though those moments are amazing and God can really come close to us and speak to us in those moments God is equally close when things are really hard and he seems quiet Um, and in the moments that are mundane and things like that God is he's not further away Mm -hmm. Um, so that's such a good reminder so as you're kind of wrestling with this where does this kind of lead you next yeah so I was really struggling with that and throughout that time I also was dealing with as I talked about before my mental health story just a lot of um issues with depression and anxiety and then my junior year of high school I started dealing with an eating disorder which we also did an episode on that so you can listen to that (laughs) but I started dealing with some pretty severe eating issues I just felt like I couldn't connect with God anymore and by my senior year of high school I stopped going to youth group Um, I remember the very first youth conference that I went to I was so depressed like It wasn't just a spiritual depression or feeling desolation from God. It was, I was just actually depressed. I felt like I couldn't even breathe or get through my day, let alone focus on God. And I felt like my, my faith was totally dead. I mean, I felt dead inside, um, dealing with depression. So I just totally shut down toward God. I felt like he totally left me and it was, that's what it was. Um, and after my senior year of high school, I, felt like I was kind of forced into going to Franciscan of uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, which is, I mentioned before, is in my hometown. And it's a super Catholic university. If you're Catholic, you know what I mean. <laughs> but it is like the equivalent of a super conservative Bible school in the Protestant world. It is one of the most authentically, I guess, yeah, Catholic schools. And it's not like Notre Dame or Loyola University or DePaul. It is Catholic. <laughs> and I did not want to go. I didn't want to stay at home. Um, I hated it, and I questioned. I was questioning the church's teachings a lot. I just it didn't. None of it made any sense to me, and I felt a lot of judgment from a lot of the women at Franciscan, which I think is a huge problem. Like the way that I dressed, if they thought it wasn't modest enough, mm-hmm. they would judge me, and that's just that's not the way you should. <laughs> you know, evangelize or encounter people that are struggling because that only pushed me further away. Mm -hmm. And if you're really struggling with your faith, with even wanting to remain within the faith, you're not thinking about modesty. That's not like the issue that needs to be addressed. (laughs) And it's also just not, you know, good to be judging people. So that definitely pushed me away. And I stopped going to mass every week. 
um, which in the Catholic Church, it's a mortal sin to not go to Mass every week. So that's kind of a big, that's a really big deal. Um, I would only go to confession every once in a while out of a fear of hell, <laughs> but I had no real love of God or relationship with him. I had no desire to be close to him or to be holy, to, to grow in holiness, to be a saint. I did not care. I fell into a lot of really deep sin and made some very bad decisions during that time. Um, I was just miserable, not only because of my mental illness, but I just didn't know God anymore. I didn't truly trust or believe in Jesus. And I wouldn't say I didn't think God was real, but I didn't live as if he was real Hmm. at all. I didn't think about the consequences of my actions or how that would affect eternity. Hmm. You know, my place in heaven or hell, I just didn't. I didn't care, which I was just trying to like get through the day most of the time and deal with what I was dealing with mental health wise. I, and I was just, you know, finding all these different coping mechanisms and such. I fell into a lot of sins against chastity and all of that, that maybe I'll get into another time, but let's just say I was in a really bad place. (laughs) Um, and my sophomore year of college is when I became really good friends with this girl named Rebecca Vidola, which I love her if she's listening. I love you, Rebecca. Shout out to Rebecca. Shout out to Rebecca. (laughs) We love her. Still love her. (laughs) And she, uh, we actually worked together at Custodial at Franciscan, really funny. So we would just jab a lot the whole time, like cleaning the toilets and whatever. Just just jabbing. Just jabbing. (laughs) Jabbing. Um, I don't even know if that's even the right word, but whatever. Um, and she was in this household called Totus Tuus Maria, which super Catholic for anyone that's not Catholic listening. You're going to be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. Please explain yeah. For, for those of our listeners who are like me. Yeah. <laughs> so Totus Tuus Maria is, it means totally yours, Mary. And it was the saying of a saint, St. Louis de Montfort, and also the motto for John Paul II's papacy, which everyone know who's knows who John Paul II mm-hmm. is um and it, yeah it means totally yours Mary and it's a saying if you have a very strong devotion to Mary and you basically consecrate yourself to Mary and give all of your merits all of your good works everything and you're entrusting yourself to her to get you to Jesus and yeah to help you get to heaven she's basically just your main pathway to Jesus and you're entrusting everything to her mm-hmm. And she was explaining to me all of that. And that didn't really make sense to me because even though I've been raised Catholic, I didn't understand a devotion to Mary. It sounded like to me, as it probably does to a lot of you right now, um, that you're worshiping Mary or putting too much focus on Mary away from Jesus. And that's kind of how it sounded to me, too. I was like, well, that's weird. And then she showed me this chain that she was wearing. And. Louis de Montfort would say like he was a slave to Mary and so he would wear this chain to remind himself that he was that he was consecrated to Mary and had given her everything to get him to Jesus and that freaked me out the word slave I was like what (laughs) excuse me my language but I was like what the hell is that you you didn't want to be a slave no yeah the word slave I was like oh (laughs) no I was like that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard I was like I will never join that household I don't even know how I feel about Jesus right now, let alone Mary. Like, who even is she? <laughs> who is this girl? Who is this girl? I you know. Was, yeah. So I was just so confused and it just freaked me out. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm never going to join that, which <laughs> jokes on me because I ended up. <laughs> but that's later in the story. <laughs> um, plot twist. I know. Plot <laughs> twist. But through Rebecca, I got involved with wanting to join the women's ministry on campus that she was in. 
And honestly, I was joining it because I was like, this is going to look really good on my resume that I was involved and like help plan events and all this stuff. So it was totally superficial. But it was definitely (laughs) the Holy Spirit because you had to interview. And somehow I got in. Like I had to interview with a sister, a nun, who was the head of it. And she loved me and wanted me to be a part of the ministry. And I was like, perfect. Okay. Um, And I ended up becoming really good friends with her. Her name is Sister Anna Rose. And with all these women in the group that were striving for holiness, striving to live an authentic Christian life. And that just started kind of inspiring me. And I would have monthly meetings with Sister Anna Rose. And in those conversations with her, I slowly started to feel this desire to be close to God again. And I can't really explain it because I don't know how God does it, but he just kind of finds any kind of opening in your heart and just weasels his way in. And that's kind of how it felt when I was with when I was with her, Mm. um, she was a true spiritual mother to me. And especially in the Catholic tradition, we believe that all women are called to be mothers, even if they don't physically have children, because obviously nuns take a vow of chastity and, you know, they're not having kids, but she truly was a spiritual mother to me and helped me started growing closer to God again. Um, Mm. and during this time I was still dealing with really terrible depression and anxiety and I had some really close calls with that it was not good (laughs) but through she walked through all of it with me without judgment I think that's what it was like Mm. she walked through what I was going through all of my struggles all of my mistakes all of my you know missing mass and not going to confession and she would never judge me and she would just love me and be there for me and through her I felt like she was a channel of God's love to me Mm. you know God's love and mercy that no matter how much we mess up or wherever we are in our lives he still deeply loves us and wants to be in relationship with us and wants to pour out his mercy to us if we want to accept it and that's what she was to me and so even though I was still dealing with a lot and still not totally on board with the Catholic thing I started to feel that desire to be closer to God again that desire to want to be a saint, to want to get to heaven, because before I just did not care. I didn't mm-hmm. think about eternity, except, except for like a fear-based thing of like, oh, I should probably go, I don't want to go to hell or something like that, you know? Um, and then also during that time, I had another experience with um, TTM, Totus Tuus Maria. Another girl in um, my women's group was also in this uh, household. And I don't know if I ever explained what the households are. Yeah, explain that. Yeah. So they're kind of like faith-based sororities. <laughs> That's what I was assuming. Yeah. You seem so, like a sorority girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's where you're this group of women and you you do have like a big who helps you like walk through whatever you have to um, kind of like the process of entering into the household, which is normally some kind of like um, sets of prayers or like ours was you consecrate yourself to Mary before you fully enter into the household but it's basically just being in this community of women where you have different prayer commitments that you would meet together and you just grow spiritually together and Mm -hmm. are each other's sisters um and help each other grow in the faith so that's what that is so I had another experience where some of the commitments for this household were open to women that were not in the household and she brought me to one of their night prayers which is called Stazio And in the night prayer, they pray the litany of humility, which I have mentioned before, which if you don't know what it is, like no matter Mm. what denomination of faith you are, definitely listen, uh, read it and pray with it because it's beautiful. But it's the most humbling prayer. I mean, one of the lines is Jesus grant me the grace 
to desire others being loved more than I, others being praised more than I, like I going unnoticed. (laughs) And I was in such a place of pride Mm. and not in the right place in my faith that it was disgusting to me. Like I heard it and I was like, this is disgusting. Like I was, I feel like when your soul is in such a state of sin or in such a different place, like things like that, when you're so prideful, humility is like a knife into that pride. It's Mm. like, ooh, like it hurts. And I once again was like this household whack. Like, I just don't want any part in this. What do you mean? Because it's so against our secular mindset. Like, I pray that others are more successful than I am, that others are more loved than I am, that others become holier than I, holier than I granted that I become as holy as I should, hmm. is one of the lines. Especially in such, like, a me-first kind of society. Like, you know, look after yourself before you look after others. Exactly. Self-care, which those things, like, have their place. Exactly. But, yeah, it's so foreign, foreign, especially for someone, like you were describing, who you're like, no, I... I just want to think about myself right now. <laughs> or just we're, we're interviewing for jobs and we want to be the best. We right. want to get the job. We want this or that. And so it's just totally against our human nature. Mm-hmm. And that was another <laughs> experience I had. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> but through these women, like I said, I was slowly growing in my faith. And then I ended up getting help with my anxiety and depression. I started going to therapy. Praise I got the on, Lord. Yes. I got on medication, which I think shows that we have, we're holistic beings. We have mm-hmm. to have our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health all in line. And they're all very important because if one of them is off, it's going to affect the other. Mm-hmm. So because my mental health was so bad, I felt like my spiritual life was very stunted. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I addressed that and used the means that God has given us to get better medication, mm-hmm. being in therapy, I was able to focus on my faith a lot more. And my depression was getting a lot better. I was still dealing with really severe anxiety. Um, But one of my friends, she's Hindu, which is funny. I grew up with this um, friend who was born and raised Hindu, and she still is. But she went to Europe, and she went and visited all the beautiful cathedrals there and such, because everyone does. Mm -hmm. And in one of the Catholic churches, she was like, oh, I know Jackie would love this, like rosary bracelet, which is funny because I wasn't really into my faith at the time when she got it for me Mm. I think she just assumed like oh Jackie's Catholic she'll like this (laughs) and so she brought me back this rosary bracelet and I was so touched and it was so beautiful because I was just starting to get back in my faith when she gave it to me Um, but I didn't even know how to pray the rosary which I was born and raised Catholic and I did not know how to properly pray the rosary which is so embarrassing but I didn't Mm. and so all I knew is that you prayed one Our Father and then ten Hail Marys And so when I was really, really anxious, I remember there's this one trip I went on with my sister where my anxiety was just so terrible the whole time. I would just cling to this bracelet and pray Hail Marys. That's all I could do to ground myself, to stay focused. And that's really one of the only ways I knew how to pray because I hadn't genuinely prayed in a very long time. And through that, I just slowly start to feel, and this is where I'm going to get very Catholic on all of you. (laughs) I started to really feel... um, mother mary enter into my spiritual life and it's another thing where i just can't explain it i don't know where she came from i don't know how it happened i just felt her presence very much in my life mothering me and every time i would fall into sin i could feel her just come to me and like pick me back up out of the like the mud and just blood of my sin and just a disaster and clean me up and say okay honey like let's get back up let's go back to jesus and i would feel it Mm -hmm. and i can't explain how i just And that was when I 
I can't even explain it. Something just clicked in me, and I was like, this is it. Like, this is, Jesus is everything. Mary is the one that's going to keep me close to him and keep me coming back to him. Hmm. And I just totally changed as a person. I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it. My entire inner disposition changed. I just wanted to live for Jesus, not myself anymore. Hmm. I started the journey of surrendering to him. Um, which is a lifelong journey, but I just decided I want to be a saint one day. I want to be in heaven. I want to be fully in my Catholic faith, and there it is. So I came back to school my senior year, and I started going to Totus Tuus Maria Commitments because several of my friends had joined the semester before, and I felt Mary ask me to join, and I felt it was definitely what Jesus wanted me to do, so I did. And I started doing the Marian consecration, which I mentioned before, is where it's 33 days. It's after the model um, of the way that St. Louis de Montfort did it. So every day you say certain prayers and at the very end you consecrate yourself to Mary, which is, yeah, giving her everything and entrusting your entire being to her to get you to Jesus. And I did that. And as I was doing the consecration, I felt this just desire to be with the Eucharist all the time which Mm -hmm. I had always struggled with the Eucharist if you're not Catholic we believe that the Eucharist is truly physically and spiritually like Jesus the flesh and blood of Jesus in the form of the bread and the wine so we when we're receiving it we feel like we are actually eating Jesus's body and blood and that is a crazy concept Mm -hmm. like that doesn't make any sense and As a Catholic growing up, I never would say I didn't believe in it, but I was like, "Mm, that's weird. I don't feel any connection. I only felt that one really strong experience I talked about when I was 13, but I didn't feel anything else toward it. I never did. I always struggled with it. I didn't make any sense to me. And I just, when I was doing this consecration, felt this overwhelming desire to be with the Eucharist in the Eucharistic adoration all the time, to receive the Eucharist, to go to Mass. I would sit in front of the Eucharist and just weep because I knew it was Jesus and I could feel Jesus with me. And I want I like I remember just sitting in front of the tabernacle before when he wasn't in the monstrance, he was still in the tabernacle and I would just weep on the floor because I wanted to like get inside of the tabernacle and be with Jesus inside. And I was like I am going insane. What is this? This is so strange. And one of my household sisters was telling me just asked uh, the group of us one day. She said, "Have any of you felt like this experience to be around the Eucharist more?" Like just this overwhelming desire to be with Jesus. And I said, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. And she just was like, oh yeah, that's Mary. I mean, that's what Mary does. Like whenever you give everything to Mary, her entire God-given role is to bring you closer to Jesus. And that's what I've always felt her doing. And that's just one of the biggest parts of my faith journey. I feel like that's where everything kind of switched for me. Um, And since then, I've just been growing more deeply in my devotion to Mary and in that obviously growing much closer to Jesus um yeah I mean I feel like I've been talking a lot so Megan do you have any questions yeah I just think it's so (laughs) you know a lot of times for people like us who grew up in the church grew up in faith um where you can't really remember maybe a specific moment where you were like I was not a Christian and then I was a Christian you know Mm -hmm. whereas if you don't grow up a Christian and you have that really like crazy conversion moment it's different but for people like us it's it's a really slow process right it's more of just like well you always believe God's existence but when was it that that relationship started and I I think there's a 
a temptation for us to feel like we're lesser or like our story is less important because it isn't like this crazy Mm -hmm. God, you know, came down in fire and told me to believe in him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I will leave my simple ways behind. (laughs) But I think it's just what I feel is so encouraging and amazing with stories like yours is that God consistently chases and pursues and woos your heart Mm -hmm. and how what an amazing testimony that is to his faithfulness and his steadfastness and his long-suffering love for us that even when we wander or we have moments or seasons and for some people it's years where they don't believe and they don't want to follow and they don't want to give God the glory that he deserves Mm -hmm. he does not abandon and how amazing that is and it's encouraging for me to hear and be reminded of oh yeah, even when I feel like my I'm in a season of feeling dry mm-hmm. or that I just don't feel like God is close to me, mm-hmm. that's not true. He is consistently pursuing and never lets us go. And how that's amazing. And yeah. stories like this need to be told. And people need to hear this because you never know. You might be feeling like you're in that period right now where you're like, I always thought I was a Christian and now I'm not sure. And just knowing, like, God is right there. He is ready. His arms are open. And that is just something we need to be reminded of. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just, one of the craziest aspects of God to me is his mercy. Mm. And I just sometimes will just sit in awe and disbelief of his mercy and the ways that he just it doesn't matter what you do, how far you go, how many times you fall. I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of the Christian life is just falling over and over and over and (laughs) over again and messing up and going to Jesus. If you're Catholic or Christian, um, and just being like, um, I'm never going to do it again. Jesus, I promise. Like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do this again. And then like an hour later, you're doing it again. (laughs) And I, you know, I go back to confession over and over again, the same sense. And every time it's just like, well, that was easy. Like all you have to do is be sorry for it and go to him. And he's like, okay, Mm -hmm. welcome back. Like, (laughs) love you. I just, I just, Uh it's crazy to me how far we can run, how much we can just abandon him and hurt him over and over again with our just Mm -hmm. impiety and our, not giving him the love and honor he deserves and he just doesn't care if we come back to him with sincere contrition and sincere sorrow for our sins he's like okay cool love you like so happy to have you back mm-hmm. his mercy is just insane you can do anything anything and he will take you back with open arms and the same amount of fervor and love mm-hmm. he just he doesn't care what you've done where you've been he's with you the whole time anyway even if you don't feel him even if you're rejecting him and so when you come back to him, it just reminds me of the prodigal son. Like yeah. he's just ready to envelop you in his love and he will do it over and over again. His mercy is unending. And mm-hmm. that just, I can't even, I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. Mm-hmm. It has me in tears all the time because I'm just, we don't deserve it. Right. We don't deserve what he did for us. <laughs> and I love that in the story of the prodigal son, when he's coming back after basically spitting in his father's face like being Mm -hmm. so horrible and leaving and then just being faced with great misery and coming back being like maybe I can be a servant like maybe he'll take me back as a servant like not even viewing himself as a son anymore Mm -hmm. and to have his father run out to meet him like that part always just makes me cry because that is how God is towards us when we turn back to him he is he's not like okay 
Jackie's back. He's excited. He's running out to meet us with open arms. So, yeah, maybe some of you needed that reminder today. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, I just think of my time away from God and just the awful things that I did. And when I came back to him, he wasn't like, okay, well, I need to go make up for this or do this or whatever. Earn your your love back. He was just like, here's all of my love. Here is all of me. Mm -hmm. Here I am (laughs) for you. (laughs) And I will always be here for you no matter how far you run. That's so true. Come back to me. And that's what I just have experienced over and over again. It's just his mercy. Mm-hmm. the intercession of his mother coming and just picking me up and bringing me to him and you know it's another thing that I can't really explain why he chose to you know have it that way in my life like Mary is such a big part of my spiritual journey I personally think she's a part of everyone's but it's been very clear that it's a huge part for me mm-hmm. I I don't know I Jesus didn't need to use Mary in my life but he did and she's just you know has been mothering me through it and bringing me back to him over and over again and that alone I'm like thank you so much for the gift of of the the gift of that Mm -hmm. um yeah what's like maybe some advice or thoughts you have just for people who are listening to your story mm -hmm. what's some some takeaways <laughs> yeah I if you're struggling with your faith I definitely think it's good to seek a spiritual director or a mentor or whatever term that you would think of it is mm-hmm. think of it as um because that's what sister Anna Rose was to me without me knowing was mm-hmm. that that guy that mentor and now I have chosen you know to go and have a spiritual director now that I'm more into my faith but someone that's just more wise or educated or you know has been living in the faith for a longer time it's very good to go to them because you'll I know you're gonna have so many questions probably about the faith and Mm -hmm. they can just be a good resource to you and also a good community because faith is not meant to be lived in solidarity it's it's meant to be lived in community Mm -hmm. so that's definitely good also just being really real with God in prayer with where you are Mm -hmm. if you haven't prayed in a while if you're scared to approach him like it's just having a conversation just sit down even if you don't hear him for a long time Mm -hmm. just keep being faithful and sitting down in silence and he will speak to you in whatever way and in his own timing and just be very real with him you don't need to put on a show for him just go to him and be like I don't understand I don't even know if you're there Um, my life really sucks right now maybe or I don't know why you did this to me and I'm angry at you like he can take it like just go to him with your real emotions Mm. um and if you're catholic or thinking of being catholic eucharistic adoration which I know can be weird at first you're sitting there and you're praying and you're looking at a host like a piece of bread and it's weird maybe people catholics won't admit that but it's weird it's weird (laughs) um and it doesn't really make any sense until you have that radical experience with the eucharist which I don't know when that would happen for you but just being faithful if if you're looking into the Catholic faith. If you're not, then that's a different story. But I would just say persevere in prayer in whatever way is applicable to the denomination that you are looking into or trying to get back into. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you're Catholic, if, you are, if you're open to having a devotion to Mary, I think Mary is a huge part of bringing us back to Jesus. I think it's her God-given role. So just asking her to be your mother, um, if that's something you're open to. Um, yeah. I definitely would advise that. So I guess that's just some of (laughs) my advice. Spending a lot of time in silence, that's very important. Hmm. You mentioned prayer. What are some of your favorite ways to pray? Yeah, so I have obviously, as I've said a million times, really just devotions to um, Divine Mercy, the Rosary, and Lexio Divina. Um, So when I'm praying the Rosary, 
it's good to not just rattle off the prayers, but to really focus because every mystery of the rosary is a Bible passage to like visually go through that and ask God to show you whatever he wants to show you within that mystery. Mm-hmm. So like if you're going through the sorrowful mysteries, the agony in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning of the thorns, the carrying of the cross and the crucifixion, like really just going into that mystery and asking God to show you and meditate on Jesus's life and his um, on the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's what the rosary actually is. Um, and then speaking of scripture, Lexio Divina, I would definitely look into researching that, but it's a diff- different way of connecting with scripture and allowing God to speak to you through scripture mm-hmm. and apply it to your own life. Um, and I'll, yeah, I think I said this before, but silence is just very important. Just sitting with God and allowing him to speak with you. And it definitely takes practice because you at first won't be able to sit and focus, but just being really persevering in that, mm-hmm. um, that's so practical and helpful. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. You know, even as you were talking, that encouraged me and just reminded mm-hmm. me to be more intentional in my prayers. Mm-hmm. And don't feel ashamed that if you don't have the words, you have to depend on other people's prayers that they have written down for you. Like, mm-hmm. that is what exactly. they're for. They're for those moments where you don't have the words and you need to lean on other saints and other um, fellow Christian believers. Mm-hmm. That is a valuable asset. So don't you know see that as lesser like that is what they're for they're those people wrote those prayers to help you bring you back to a place where you can pray with your own words so i think that's such a beautiful reminder to lean on those um, things we have been given or pray through scripture just you know saying scripture out loud and really meditating on it can really help if you just feel like you're at Mm -hmm. a loss Mm -hmm. you know scripture is so important and Mm -hmm. Besides scripture, which is the most important book in Christianity, <laughs> uh, if you want to grow close to God, read scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I will leave in like the in the description the different books that also really encouraged me in my spiritual journey. Mm. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for sharing. I think it's just so important that we all have an opportunity to share our stories and and really just look at how God has led us through every moment of our mm. life i think that's so healing also to look yeah. back on so thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing that and encouraging all of us yeah of course thanks for listening yeah thank you um let's just continue to talk about it <laughs>